Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bird's Nest Podcast. I'm Joe Donahue. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, today's episode isn't specifically focused on the Eagles. It's more on the NFL in general, but it's a topic that Eagles fans are going to find very important, and any football fan would find very important, and that is the game officiating. Over the course of this season, NFL officials have actually come under fire over the course of the last seven weeks for questionable calls that have been made during each individual game. While Eagles fans still shudder and still have it seared into their minds, the final penalty of Super Bowl 57, the holding penalty that was called against James Bradbury, the reality of the matter is that this past Sunday, Eagles actually benefited from the officiating. There were 10 penalties that were called in the Dolphins-Eagles game, and all 10 of them were called against the Miami Dolphins. The Eagles did have a couple of penalties that were called against them, but they all wound up being offset by a penalty that occurred by the Miami Dolphins. Meanwhile, Dolphins fans, especially Dolphins wide receiver Cedric Wilson, were understandably upset with the officiating, especially when late in the third quarter with the Dolphins driving, having to convert on fourth and three, the officials missed a relatively obvious face mask call that should have been made against James Bradbury late in that game. So Dolphins fans are understandably upset over the officiating in Sunday's game. But the bigger news was the bombshell that Jim Ursay, Colts owner, dropped on Twitter following the Colts-Browns game earlier this week. Jim Ursay tweeted out an update on their quarterback, Anthony Richardson, and also indicated in the same tweet that the NFL allegedly admitted that there were a couple of calls at the end of the Colts-Browns game that were blown. Now, according to Tom Pelissera over at NFL Network, the NFL and teams actually regularly engage with each other to try to address concerns surrounding the officiating of the game. But it's situations like this that make this comment from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, which he made earlier this year prior to Super Bowl 57, surrounding the officiating of the game, to be a little questionable and aloof. Uh, I think for us, when you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. There are over 42,000 plays in a season. Multiple infractions could occur on any play. Take that out and extrapolate that. That's hundreds if not millions of, of, of potential fouls. And our officials do an extraordinary job of getting those. Are there mistakes in the context of that? Yes, they are not perfect and officiating never will. But we've also had obviously replay and other aspects that help us address those issues to make sure they're not uh, something that uh, we can't correct on the field. We think our officials are doing a great job, but we're always going to look through our competition committee and everything else we have, how we improve our officiating. So in today's episode of the Birds Nest Podcast, we're going to take a little bit of time to explore what officiating is like. What are the X's and O's of it, so to speak, and how can it be improved? Along the way, I'll share my own experiences in football officiating. While I never officiated in the NFL, I did officiate in other levels of the sport, and a lot of officiating is very similar regardless of what level you're officiating at. So we're going to start off with how does one even get to be an NFL game official? NFL officials will start like any player or coach working in local high school, middle school, peewee games, you name it. 
They all need officials, and the NFL officials have to start somewhere to get to where they are right now. These lower levels, high school varsity, junior varsity, freshman, middle school, these community kids leagues, those are where I spent my time officiating. And while, yes, there are going to be some differences between officiating there and officiating in the NFL, for example, the number of officials that are on your crew, the way certain penalties are enforced. For example, in high school and lower leagues, offsides penalties are actually play stoppers and don't result in a free play like they do in the NFL. But there are also a lot of similarities that we're going to get into. Now, for the most part, football officials are part-time, and they do the job of a football official in addition to a regular full-time job, whatever that regular full-time job may be. And that is true even of all of the NFL officials that currently work in the league today. And except for a few years towards the end of the 2010s when the league was actually hiring full-time game officials, all of the NFL officials have been part-time. Big example that Eagles fans know as an official, Gene Steratore, who was the referee for Super Bowl 52. Gene Steratore actually ran at the time and still runs a sanitation janitorial supplies company based out near Pittsburgh. Brad Allen, who was the referee for Sunday's game with the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles, he's a nonprofit CEO by day, so to speak. So NFL officials have these outside jobs but they also devote a ton of time and a ton of their career developing to become able to officiate NFL games. So once they rise through the ranks of high school and college, they could become part of the NFL's officiating development program. This helps them get ready for the jump to the NFL. It might not be strictly required, but it is something that they source a lot of the Division I NCAA referees to be able to make the jump to the NFL. But regardless of whether or not you're in the development program, you're already an NFL official, or you're just starting out as a high school or a middle school or a peewee football ref, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to spend a lot of your time preparing for the game. You're going to spend a lot of your time learning and studying the rules. You're going to spend a lot of time reviewing game tape, and you're going to spend a lot of time looking at cases to try to examine whether or not a particular play is in line with the rules or whether it runs afoul of them. And you're also going to study mechanics to try to make your ability to see the play that much better because you have to be able to see the play. If you can't see what's going on in front of you, there's no way you're going to be able to call it. So if you can't see the call, you should not be making the call. So mechanics are huge for game officials. You have to be in shape in the event a breakaway happens that needs you down the field quickly. One of the common things I bring up when I watch a football game with friends or family is that when a bad call occurs on the field, those of us who are watching at home have the luxury of being able to watch multiple times from like five different camera angles in super high definition slow motion and see that yes, this was in fact holding that they missed or no, this was not in fact holding or whatever. The in-game officials have a split second to see one call from one angle one time. 
and they have to see it at high speed. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell actually alluded to this idea in his comments earlier this year. I think we all have to realize through the quality of what we see on our broadcast, you've never been able to see the kinds of things that you can see today. And you see it in super slow-mo. You see it where you can actually stop it. Sometimes that distorts a call potentially, but the reality is our officials are held to an incredibly high standard, and I think they meet it. So it's really, really important for a game official to be in the right place at the right time to make the right call. So we're going to take a look at the mechanics in action, and we're going to take a look at them through the course of the face mask play. So where are the game officials? Well, the referee is the official that wears the white hat. He lines up behind and to the right of the quarterback. The referee's job is to watch the quarterback specifically, and in a little bit more general sense, he's watching all of the running backs and anything that happens in the offensive backfield. Roughing the passer, always going to be a call by the referee. The QB is his responsibility. So that's the referee, and the referee is the most visible member of the crew. But there are six other game officials in the NFL that line up to watch the play and support the referee in being able to cover different areas of the field. The next one that we're going to touch on is the umpire. The umpire in the NFL watches the play in the offensive backfield to the left of the quarterback. The umpire is specifically watching for false starts from the center and the guards on the offensive line before the snap. He's also looking for holding and other fouls that might be committed by these players. Now, in lower levels of play, like college, high school, community leagues, etc., the umpire is actually lining up pretty shallow in the defensive backfield and has different responsibilities from what I just laid out. But the NFL actually moved the umpire from that position that I just described in the defensive backfield to the current position in the offensive backfield, kind of in line with the referee, mostly for safety reasons. That's actually a really, really dangerous place for the umpire to be. Just look at how many plays end where the umpire is going to be where I just described. That's a really, really dangerous spot. It opens umpires up to injury. So for safety reasons, the NFL moved the umpire to the offensive backfield and changed up the responsibilities a little bit. The down judge, which in college, high school, etc., is actually called the head linesman, as well as the line judge, have very similar responsibilities because they're positioned in very similar locations. They are positioned directly on the sidelines at the line of scrimmage, and they're watching for proper receiver alignment as it relates to the line of scrimmage. They're also watching for false starts and offsides, especially from those places farther out on the offensive line, as well as on the defensive line. They're looking for those neutral zone infractions, offsides, etc. The down judge and the line judge also have a really, really important responsibility of managing down and distance, as well as trying to identify the spot of the ball. Based on the movement of the play, if it goes to one side, it's going to be more on the down judge to make sure that the spot of the ball is tracked. If it goes to the other side of the field, it's going to go to the line judge. If the ball comes to their side of the field, the down judge or the line judge will rule on pass completions, downed players, in or out of bounds, all those things that you would expect an official to rule on. The down judge is also responsible for the 10-yard chains, the chains that come in when an official needs a measurement to see whether or not 
the offense made the first down. So if you ever watch a game, these officials are the ones that are lining up with the chains. There are three deep officials in the NFL, and they have some of the same responsibilities as the officials closer to the play. The field judge and the side judge line up 25 yards downfield. The back judge lines up 30 yards downfield. The field judge and the side judge are going to line up on opposite sides of each other. The field judge is going to line up on the same side as the line judge, and the side judge is going to line up on the same side as the down judge. The back judge lines up 30 yards downfield and lines up in the center of the defensive backfield. So their responsibilities are really tailored to the secondary. They're going to be the ones that are ruling on big plays downfield. Where's the ball? Is there defensive or offensive pass interference? What exactly is happening? You want to make sure that you're able to see that. And so these officials who are 25, 30 yards down the field where a big play might happen, they're in a good position to be able to see those big plays and be able to call them appropriately. So the best way to think about it is that each ref has a zone coverage, so to speak. They have their zones of the field that they're watching and they're looking to see where a foul occurs. They're also looking to see whether or not the player is down. They're looking to see where is the ball when it is down. They're looking to see if it's a complete or an incomplete pass. All these officials have their zones, and these officials are watching to try to identify what is going on with these particular plays. And based off of the structure, each ref also has an opportunity to have one or two backups, depending on how the play unfolds. Because the line judge and the field judge line up on the same sideline, if a play breaks in their general direction and it actually goes out of bounds, they both have the opportunity to back each other up and affirm whether or not the spot is accurate, whether or not the player was in bounds. The down and line judges back each other up on things that happen at the line of scrimmage, especially when it comes to spot of the ball on things like a running play. The referee and umpire back each other up on that offensive backfield. The umpire isn't necessarily looking at it specifically, but the umpire can see it. And the field side and the back judges back each other up in the defensive backfield. What happens in the secondary? So. When a play breaks into the far corner, you could have as many as three officials watching that area. So that's how it works in the NFL, and in the lower levels of officiating, it's very similar. The big difference in lower levels of officiating is that there are often not as many officials. So when I started out, I was actually on a three-man crew for middle school freshmen and community league games. When I got to refing varsity, I was on a five-man crew, but the mechanics are still consistent across the levels. What you watch is consistent, and that's true even when you wind up getting to a seven-man crew, which I did have the opportunity to be a part of once during the playoff time for high school varsity. Even if the rules might change a little bit, the consistency among how you are getting yourself in the position to make the call is still there. So if every official is watching a specific area of the field in a perfect world, Every official should be able to make the correct call every time. And if every official is studying up on the rules and reviewing the same game tape and looking at how can they make sure that they're in the right spot to make the correct call, in theory, everything should work perfectly. But as we know, things don't always work perfectly and things do break down. So we're going to go back and look at the blown call in the Eagles-Dolphins game.
So we're going to look at the game tape, and you'll see that the face mask occurred while the ball is in the air. The play broke to the side of the line judge. So the line judge and the field judge both together have responsibility for this play, and they can be supported by the back judge. Now, where is the line judge looking? Well, until the ball is thrown, he is watching the receivers and the blockers nearest to the line of scrimmage to make sure that he's able to call any ineligible man downfield or any holding calls that might occur. But once the ball is thrown, he's got to track the direction of the ball, and he's got to find the eligible receiver. In this case, it's Cedric Wilson, who is being covered by James Bradbury. So the line judge, as we can see on the game tape, is in fact looking in the general direction of the ball, as well as in the general direction of Cedric Wilson. So you should be able, from that angle, to see James Bradbury grab a hold of the face mask. Now, where's the field judge? Well, the field judge, remember, lines up 25 yards downfield. And so you can see the field judge off in the sideline there, actually on the other side of the play. He's the one who's closest to the play, so he should be able to help out with completion, with whether or not the receiver is down in bounds. But he's behind the play. So that official cannot see whether or not James Bradbury grabs the face mask of Cedric Wilson. You just can't see that. That's something that has to be owned by the line judge. The back judge might be able to see it. The back judge lines up in the center of the defensive backfield. Similarly, the side judge might be able to see it. But once you start getting farther away from where the center of the play is, it becomes more difficult to see some of these fine maneuvers. The side judge is standing, at best, about 50 yards away from where this play is happening. And we, again, can't see exactly where the side judge is looking. It's not featured on the camera. The official that we can see looking in the general direction of the play is the referee, the white hat. Now, you might think the referee is in a great spot to see that angle. The problem is, that's not where the referee is looking right now. The referee is looking at Tua Tagovailoa. He's looking to make sure that there's no roughing the passer or no anything that's happening in the offensive backfield while the play is leaving the offensive backfield. So he's probably, at this point, trying to look farther down the field to see what might be going on, because the ball is certainly the most important thing on the field. But he still has his responsibility for the quarterback, as well as for anything that's happening in the offensive backfield. So he's got to be aware of where that is. Plus, remember that Brad Allen, who was the referee for the game, was standing about 30 yards from where the play actually ended and where the face mask occurred. So while he could be a crusader, so to speak, and launch that flag in from where he is if he happened to see it, most likely speaking, he's probably not going to see that far down the field. He's certainly not going to be able to see whether or not James Bradbury actually hits the mask or grabs a hold of the face mask of Cedric Wilson. So when you go in and you break down the play like this, the person who was in the best position to make the call was the line judge, and he simply did not make the call. That would be something that he would need to make sure that he's looking at, maybe trying to find the eligible receiver sooner, so that way he can see, oh, a face mask was grabbed. Let me launch my flag into there and give the Dolphins a first down. Now, in my experience, officials will always try to see everything happen in front of them before they make the call. So the general rule is that if you don't see it, absolutely do not call it. 
And that's why it's important that you get it right the first time and why you're always staying on top of the mechanics of officiating. And at the end of the day, speaking for myself at least, when you're a game official, there's nothing better than getting the right call right the first time. It's almost as if you're watching A.J. Brown catch a pass in double coverage late in the game off a deep bomb from Jalen Hurts. It's euphoric. And it sometimes means you've got to stand up for yourself and assert the fact that you were in the best position to make the call and this is what you saw. And you've got to do that sometimes even among crew members who are more seasoned than you. One of the first couple of varsity games that I officiated was a high school game. One of the plays that happened was the player was running down the field. He was tackled, his knee hit the ground, and the ball popped out. Every other official ruled it a fumble. I was the only one who could see that the runner's knee was in fact down. And so I went in and I said to the referee, I have him down at whatever yard line it was. And the referee asked me, are you absolutely sure about that? And I told him that I was, that I was absolutely sure that he was down. He was down on that play. And the referee went with my ruling because I was in the best spot when I was on the line of scrimmage to see that his knee was down. And the referee stuck with it. And we got approached at halftime by the athletic director of the high school that would have benefited from the play being a fumble. And we were told, hey, we went back, we looked at the game tape from that play, and you guys were absolutely right. He was down before the ball came out. That's a really, really good feeling. Not because you're right, but because your call didn't get in the way of the game. You correctly called the play. You did your job. And you don't always get that kind of affirmation in real time. But when you do, it keeps you going, even amid the roughest crowds, even amid the roughest teams, even amid the roughest players. When you've got coaches and fans yelling at you, it allows you to be able to just tune them out and be able to call the play correctly. Now, obviously, this particular play was not a play that the officials got the call right the first time. So how do game officials currently get better? Well, according to the NFL Football Operations official website, game officials go to clinics before the season starts. They hop on conference or Zoom calls with the NFL's officiating department to get updates on teams in the games that they'll be calling. And they review a lot of game tape, some of it provided by the teams, most of it provided by the NFL from game footage. The NFL says that it collaborates with teams to make sure that plays are called correctly, especially if there's an unusual play in a team's bag of tricks that might be run so that officials and teams are on the same page about whether or not a particular play is legal. The NFL also employs a crew of officiating supervisors that evaluate each game official on each play of each game. Those evaluations are reviewed every week with crews, and at the end of the season, the best performing officials are assigned playoff games. The NFL also indicates that subpar officials might be coached or demoted, removed from the NFL sent back to college or wherever. So with all this work, how does officiating improve? And when we talk about improved officiating, we're talking about more consistent officiating. Now, one idea that's been shared is instant replay. That's not an idea I'm fully behind, mostly because we actually tried that before. During the 2019 to 2020 NFL season, pass interference plays were reviewable. 
and it doesn't work as well as you would have expected. The big question is where do you draw a line between what is a foul and what is not? There's a saying among officials that you can call holding on every play, so you don't call holding on every play. It's for the most part true. So you call holding when it impacts the play. When the review of penalties was instituted, again, it was drawn at pass interference. That implementation was actually very quickly withdrawn at the end of the season. It was a largely failed experiment. According to ESPN, of the more than 100 replay reviews of pass interference, 24 of them were reversed on replay review including 13 of 81 coaches' challenges. But more importantly than that, it slows down the game unnecessarily, it puts officials further in the spotlight than they need to be, and it created confusion among teams as to what exactly pass interference was. NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent told NBC Sports in an interview following that season that, quote, we didn't do our due diligence and we failed. So I'm not fully on board behind instant replay of penalties that may or may not have been called. But one big proposal that I have, which is not just my own, but it's also the ideas of others in the league like Aaron Rodgers, who voiced it on the Pack McAfee show this week, make NFL officials full-time. Rodgers had this to say about it on the show. I do think that it would probably help to have all of them full-time. I think uh, an increase in pay, probably, as well. It's a really important part of our game. We're a billion, billion dollar in- industry. And, uh, you know, I think those uh, those men and women deserve uh, to be paid appropriately where they can uh, make this their full-time gig. There was, there was thoughts about if we make it full-time, are they watching too much film? Does that bring in bias? Um, I just think that uh, that's not something to worry about. I think they need to be held accountable uh, for how they're refereeing. And there's obviously incentives uh, to referee the bigger games in the playoffs and obviously championship games and Super Bowls uh, based on uh, your performance. But I think it's incentive enough to be uh, as objective as possible. Um, but I think that, that those men and women need to be played, paid appropriately. And they got a tough job to do to make calls in real time. And they're as scrutinized as the quarterbacks and kickers are uh, as they, they have one job to do, and that's to interpret you know, the rule book in zero time possible. Um, I think it's good that we have kind of the extra official in the box to help them out with certain calls. And yes. Avoid some of these unnecessary challenges. But I think, you know, full time, yes. More pay, definitely yes. And when I look at it, I also see on the NFL Football Operations official website, they quote former Vice President of Officiating Al Riveron saying that if you don't prepare 30 to 35 hours a week for those three hours on Sunday, then you cannot do your job effectively and you will not survive in the National Football League. Now, if you do the math, let's assume 35 hours a week because every NFL official wants to stay in the NFL. So 35 hours a week of prep plus three hours on Sundays is a full-time job in the United States. 37 and a half is that threshold. NFL officials, just very simply put, need to be full-time. And during the offseason, the time when they're not preparing for an actual game can be spent focusing on how do you become better as an official. They can spend more time learning. They can spend more time going over game tape. They can spend more time talking with 
members of the officiating department, with various clubs, with everything that goes on behind the scenes in the league to try to make sure that they're doing their job the most effectively that they can. The other proposal that I have would be adding maybe one more official to the field during the game. This might be in the defensive backfield to add an additional coverage area where the deep plays happen possibly shifting the back judge to one side of the defensive backfield, maybe not all the way over to the sideline, but about midway through, probably covering one side of the hash marks, and then putting this new official in that same defensive backfield that far back. This will allow for another official to be able to share some of that defensive backfield coverage where the biggest plays happen, and will also allow for officials to be able to focus more on their particular zones of coverage. The last proposal that I have, more transparency surrounding why a particular call was made. In the days of Dean Blandino and Dal Riveron running the show at the NFL, every week there was time dedicated to reviewing calls made during the previous week. There were media videos available explaining particular calls. Dean Blandino went on NFL Total Access multiple times, once a week, to go over some of the most questionable decisions that were made and trying to share with fans why was this called as a part of the rules and why was this not this happens a lot behind the scenes it certainly happens during games now that you have all of the major networks having a rules analyst trying to break things down but ownership of errors in a special way needs to be done a little bit more publicly than it is currently ideally this kind of accountability happens in real time one of the scenarios that comes to my mind from my own experience, I totally missed a 12-man-on-the-field call. There were substitutions that were happening. The players were getting over to the sideline, but they hadn't fully made it off of the field before the ball was snapped, so the play should have been called dead, and we should have called 12 men on the field. I was the person closest to it, and I did not make that call, and I had to own up to it to my crew. Our crew, through the referee, owned up to it to the team that it was to the detriment of, at the end of the day, it didn't impact the play, fortunately, thank God, but it should have been one of those things that was called. More importantly, though, I resolved to learn from that going forward, and I resolved to try to make sure that I was aware of when players were leaving the sideline versus when the ball was snapped. The desire to learn from your mistakes is very important to whether or not you're going to be a successful official. Gene Steratore is now the CBS Sports Rules Analyst, and he actually blew the analysis of a call on field in Sunday's game between the Packers and the Broncos. It was called correctly on the field, but Steratore disagreed with the call and fans called him out on it on Twitter. And Steratore took to social media after the game to own the mistake. And he said, as a part of owning the mistake, quote, as a ref, whether grade school or pro, you learn the most from the less than 5% of calls that you miss. Will there be mistakes? Yeah, there's always going to be mistakes. As long as you have people who are prone to be able to make mistakes on the field, there are always going to be mistakes. There are going to be mistakes by players and by coaches. They won't, however, always be as visible or as game-changing as an official's mistake. Officials definitely try to get better. We would have conversations in the locker room at halftime regarding certain things that occurred during the first half and make our own adjustments to make sure that we were always in the best position to call the play. Unfortunately, when we would make those changes, those become very visible because 
something that might have been missed in the first half that we made an adjustment to be able to call in the second half negatively impacts a team. So an official's mistake is always going to be more visible in the context of the game than the mistake by a player or by a coach. Officials need to be freed up so that they can put in the time to learn from their mistakes, and in doing so, they will become better and certainly more invisible officials. So as always, let me know what you think in the comments below. How do you think officiating in the NFL could be improved? Let me know. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to the Bird's Nest podcast. You can support the Bird's Nest podcast by liking and subscribing to Bird's Nest Media right here on YouTube and by sharing to your social media pages. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify. Please visit birdsnestmedia.com for additional Eagles coverage. And if you're so inclined to support us in a different way, you can find the link to our Patreon either in the description below or at birdsnestmedia.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's go Eagles!